Sabbath to every single one of you uh, that is joining us today, that is joining us live. Uh, we want to welcome you um, to our uh, weekly conversation uh, during uh, this time of quarantine, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen afterwards. I have no idea. Uh, we're kind of just all going into uncharted waters. But for now, here we are. And uh, we're just very, very grateful, obviously, that the Lord allows us to have uh, these conversations with all of you and that you're able to connect with us. And, uh, you know, very quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to those who are already joining us. Um, I see here, uh, Chris today was the very first one, Jason, Andrew, he was the first one, even before I went live, there was already a happy Sabbath on there. So that, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> hey, can I, can I say something to that? I talked to a, a brother, Antonio, that comes to our side on the English side. Mm. He said, he wished me a happy Sabbath. He said to make sure to tell them that he was the first one. I said, uh, you, you got a post on there. He's like, nah, nah, just tell him. So you guys decide. Uh, you know, look, it, I, in, in my opinion, it, it's happy Sabbath for everyone, but it only counts if you do it online. Come on, Antonio. Hey, you heard, <laughs> you heard it there. Hey, hey, another, another thing he wanted to say, he, he said, tell Jason, specifically Jason. He said, it's not what, uh, what would Jesus do? It's what he did. He wanted me to say that. I don't know why. Okay. That's what hey. he wanted. <laughs> you know what you know what that's that's the next topic that's the next topic we gotta we gotta talk about right there okay he, he, what, he really wanted me to tell it. I yeah is it is it what jesus did or is it or or is it what would jesus do which one i it's it's uh it's all good but no we want to we want to welcome everybody honestly uh christopher jaylene uh isaura luz uh cindy um uh sister gil gonzalez uh, that's from my church um jessica uh marcy we want to welcome everybody and uh, to our live conversation today, we're hoping everything goes well. Nothing was going well right before we went online. Uh, things were just kind of going crazy for us. Uh, but, you know, if if the conversation ends, we'll just try to go back online. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if something goes wrong. We'll try to push through it. But again, welcome. Uh, Jason, Andrew, how are you guys today? Everything OK? Um, yeah, I mean, right now I kind of have like a crick in my neck. I slept wrong last night. So this whole side, like. I can't do certain like quick movements because it's like I feel the pull, so it's like oh, I'm stuck a little bit. But other than that, um, uh, I'm pretty much I, I could probably say just as you guys, it's been a it's been a very interesting week. Sure, for sure. Very interesting. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think, if anything, yeah. all I gotta say is I have a minor complaint this week. The traffic <laughs> is the traffic is back to the normal. Traffic is back up. I, I'm, oh, I am hating goodness, it, man. And and let me tell you, Friday was the worst. I think they someone told me they opened Las Vegas. I was like, Lord, why? No, not just that. Not just that. Around maybe like I want to say midday, um, I was heading back up, at back up the Cajon Pass. Apparently, at the top of the Cajon Pass, there was a there was a car pileup. So I had to go through through Devore, cut back through the 138, and come out through through Feeland. Sorry, guys. I have I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, you you guys keep at it. I left that life. That was a prior life. That was the old creature. I'm 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 a new. Oh creature. man, you're a new creature. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> um, no, you know what? Look, it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy, right? Like we complain about it, but it's it's kind of good that that this is going back to the way. No, yeah, you know it, right? Because it means that things are starting to open up. To and, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but, um, uh, uh, you know, aside from that, what we got to talk about today is, uh, is, is tough because that's now presenting another problem that we're not, um, that we have been dealing with, I would say for a while, uh, but, um, it is, it's kind of, 
refreshing itself at this moment, if I can put it that way. And so yeah. um, we, we want to jump into it uh, very quickly. Again, we want to welcome everybody that's joining us and we want you to be part of our conversation. That means that if you have a comment or question that we can get involved in this conversation, uh, we will try to, and, you know, just make sure you let us know on the chat. Uh, we are monitoring the chat room. And that way, if there is something that comes up, we'd like to, we would like to mention it. Um, guys, we're going to jump into this. Uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce what we're going to be talking about and, and we'll go from there. So Andrew, you want to lead us? Yeah. Uh, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you asking that you would please uh, allow your Holy Spirit to just work through this conversation. I want to ask, uh, as we know, this is a, a, dif a difficult subject talk about uh, from either side of the coin we just ask that most of all you would give us uh, hearts of understanding hearts of empathy Lord to tackle this subject Lord and uh, just mo most of all Lord that you would be portrayed uh, above all Lord, we ask for your spirit now uh, and, and everything we say and do from this point on in this conversation and uh, just be with all those that are joining us I ask this in your name I pray amen 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 appreciate that uh, Andrew um, so uh, again, we welcome everybody that's joining us uh, at, at this moment. I, I think you may already have an idea uh, what we're going to be talking about. In fact, we kind of discussed uh, talking about other issues, but it almost seemed very disingenuous of us if we went in to this conversation without actually talking about what's going on in our world at this time. Uh, in Before fact, we continue. I, yeah, I yeah, actually want to say I want to say thanks to all of those that have hit us up mm. with ideas that you guys want to talk about. Um, that you want us to cover comments and all that. We did overlook. We did not overlook, but we did look over them, and there was already like motions of what we were going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But we just today's topic. We just couldn't let it just go by. Yeah. We it's something that has to be addressed. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And 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 we'll get to those other topics, Jason. We mm -hmm. definitely will. Uh, but but as for now, uh, this is this is what's going on. And I, I don't think we have to mention too much as to what has happened, because it's been all over the news. It's it's just been present, constant social media, uh, news, uh, television news, right? Um, cable news, whatever it is. And, uh, and and I know that one way or another, everybody has been affected. Now, uh, we, we want to bring this topic. We, we really want to talk about um, uh, what what's going on. But more importantly, we want to do what we do, which is essentially look at these topics and, and try to bring in biblical perspectives. And look, none of us here are talking on behalf of the church because we are going to give our own opinions in this conversation. Yeah. We also recognize that maybe some of our opinions are not going to sit well with you, maybe, or maybe they won't sit well with others who may or may not be watching. Uh, perhaps this will bring in a little bit of controversy, a little bit of discussion. Um, we, I, I think that we kind of sit in the same place, all of us, we kind of come from the same perspective. Uh, but when it comes to this, you know, and especially once we are talking about what the Christian response should be to all of this, it, it, it varies. And so, um, let me just say that perhaps maybe we're a little bit hesitant in, in going into this conversation because, uh, there's, there's so much vitriol reaction to, um, to, to a disagreement, right? It, I don't agree with you, therefore I'm going to do this, or I'm going to say that. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna tell you that. Honestly, I, I, I don't care if the reaction is, I hate you for what you're gonna say. And I don't think we're gonna say anything that's gonna be hated. Um, but I think that 
we just simply want to say what 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 scripture and what Jesus and what the Holy Spirit has impressed upon us. Yeah. Um, and so honestly, we hope that this is just a, a discussion, really. Uh, we're not telling you that what we think is the only way. Uh, we're, we just want you to go in and think about what we're saying, talk about it in your homes, like every other conversation that we have done, right? We want the conversation to continue. Uh, with that being said, I, I kind of want to jump into this. Um, and uh, uh, Jason, Andrew, you both of you know exactly what's been going on. Uh, you guys have watched the TV. You guys have seen the videos. Uh, I, I just let's just start off maybe with our personal reactions to uh, what's been happening. Let's start with that with uh, with Jason. Um, Jason, what? Uh, how do you feel? I mean, you don't have to give me a, a full life story on this, right? But <laughs> but but at least at least give us a little bit about what you're feeling about all this. Well, I mean, when everything started, like all the commotions, all the riots, all the all the protests, and all that. I kind of thought to myself, like, when have we not seen this? This is something that that's happened before. But then I thought to myself, why is it at such a grand scope now? Why is it so huge? And um, and as I was reading throughout the week, I came across two articles that really that, that really made me like look at it a different as at a different at a different angle. Um, and I was just recently telling you guys, um, one of them. He made the he made the comparison of racism to that of cancer. Cancer, if it's not treated, if you don't give it the correct tre correct treatment, and if you don't keep up the treatment, it comes back, it comes stronger, and it kills. And when we look at the subject of racism and what we've seen lately on the news, that's exactly what it did. There's been many movements. There's been many protests. Um, we were just talking about Martin Luther King, all that he did. But it was just kind of, here's, here's the pill for the day, not the pill for the cure type of situation that happened. And now it just came back. And I mean, back then, like, there was no social media like there is today. There was no what's happening today. Like, if people found out about somebody getting, like, killed over racism, you would probably find out about it maybe like one month, two months, three months later, maybe even up to a year. But I, the fact that there is social media, the fact that we are constantly pushing out news, especially about this, what's going on around us. Um, that's why I feel like it's like enough is enough. People are fed up with it because it's something that happens constantly. And over the last couple of days, like just this year alone, the 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 targets have been our black brothers and sisters and it's just like people are tired of that um and then i came across another article and it's by a uh, a group trying to make um making these videos called dear coronavirus um and this was actually the 11th video that they made this is from a from a i don't i don't know if it's an organization but it's a it's a group out of um, the Adventist Church in Europe. It's called Gain Europe. Um, and they're making these series called Dear Coronavirus. And in one of their videos, they kind of stated how as soon as the coronavirus started, also the racial tension started right back up. But besides the fact that there's always been that racial, that racial constant in, in our country, um, right when it all started, Everybody hated Chinese people. 
there was discrimination against Chinese people off the bat. And that was, that was, and it was all over the world. It wasn't just here in the States. It was everywhere. They were, if you looked Asian, they were, you were being discriminated against. And it's just something that's been building up. So now this happens and it's just like, I feel like if it was just like a, everybody's tired of it. Like, that's it. Like, we're like, there's no racism should not fit in our society. Sure. It's just not something that fits in. It's, it's, it shouldn't exist, honestly, with what, what the world has seen over the world wars, all of that. It's just something that should have been eradicated a long time ago just like cancer needs to be eradicated out of your body this is something that really should have been eradicated a long time ago yeah yeah i hear i hear you jason i hear you uh andrew oh man it's a tough subject uh, i see elias already wrote he said let's get into the nitty-gritty yeah so yeah, we'll uh, get into there yeah. and this is uh this is one of the i just want to say this is one of those uh those those topics that i was a little bit nervous to get into right um, I will admit that uh, earlier during, the, during this week, I had a, a heated discussion, you could say, well, actually, I would call it an argument <laughs> with one of my uh, close friends. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever had one of those friends, you guys are so close, where um, you can say everything that you feel, right? Or, or, or you know, with, without, I guess, holding back to some extent, right? And, and without, it, and it without gets, like breaking the friendship. Ex exactly, without yeah. breaking the friendship, right? And I had one of these conversations, but it got, I guess, so bad quickly. It's like, you ever had those conversations where it's like uh, one person speaking over the other and it's just people speaking and you can no longer even uh, uh, get your point across because everybody's speaking over each other. I had one of those conversations. Yeah, and, and, um, Andrew, Andrew, this is kind of like one of our LeBron James, Kobe Bryant conversations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. I, I know I what you're talking about, yeah. I had one of those conversations on, on this sure. topic. And um, after that conversation, Something in my in in my gut just kind of left me a little bit deterred, a little bit uh, almost like I didn't even want to speak on this subject because it just it just left me in a place where sometimes like I thought about you know I felt like in my in my place you know I got, I got a little too heated of course right maybe from both sides and I felt like sometimes it's just about us being heard right let's get our opinion across right and sometimes we don't take time to just sit there and listen to what the other person has to say. Mm. Right. And, and I will be the first one to admit from my, my standpoint that maybe I was just trying to get my point across. I don't know how the other person felt, you know, um, but uh, from that perspective, it kind of just left me hesitant with this whole topic, you know, and, and I think sometimes we just need to listen to what other people are trying to say, sure. you know, and I think with all this, I don't think we, any of us think that we're experts, like we were saying, right. We're going to try to uh, tackle this, this topic, but, um, like Elias was saying, he wants to get to the nitty gritty. He actually sent me a video, uh, mm. uh, this, uh, this week that I thought was interesting. Well, he didn't send it to me. I saw him post it on, on Facebook. Maybe some of you guys saw it where it, it's a, it's a 45 year old, a 31 year old and, and, and a 16 year old. Mm. And of course there are, uh, 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 our black brothers, right. That are, uh, that they're, they're out there and they're kind of, uh, almost like you see it in its realest form, right. What they've been through. Right. You see you see this uh, this brother talking to the other one saying how he's been through this for 45 years. You know, the other one saying this is not the way, you know, uh, at one point, one of the guys says, I am willing to die for this at this point. Right. And that I, to I me, saw that video. Yeah, yeah. that to I, me kind of just 
I think Aaliyah sent it to all of us, if I'm not mistaken. That to me, that video left me speechless because I'm, sometimes we feel like we get it until we see some of these videos start to spring up and it kind of leaves you like, wow, someone is willing to die for this because of the oppression or the things that are going on. Sure. Uh, and that to me just gave me, it changed my perspective and everything, right? Uh, uh, one of the famous quotes from Martin Luther uh, King says, a riot is the voice of the unheard. And I'm sure we've seen these plastered on every uh, social media outlet, right? A riot is the voice of the unheard, right? And sometimes, and I actually have a quote from Martin Luther King, because sometimes, right, we're quick to just, uh, I'll just say, it, jump to the negatives, right? Because I, I believe we all see that there have been negatives and positive to what's been going on, right? Mm. And Martin Luther King actually has a quote, and I was talking to you guys about this uh, earlier. I actually, all week, literally what I was doing was just saturated myself with sermons from Martin Luther King and, and, and many of the things that he said, and he just blew my mind, right, with, with some of the things he said. This is one of the quotes that he says right here. It says, but at the time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel that they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn the riots. I think Amer America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air, right? He says, certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must, must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn the riots. Hmm. And that to me spoke volumes, right? Uh, and with, with, with all the, the looting and all the negative things, right? Of course, we see a positive side. We see, uh, you know, other nonviolent uh, protesters and all these things. And this is some of the questions that we're going to deal with today. But I think that that issue is something that we have to deal with. We have to be as condemning of the riots, I think, as much as what's going on. And we have to empathize with these things. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, it, it's... Uh... It, honestly, it's not even that it's a tough conversation to have. Um, it's just that the, the world that we live in makes it tough to have. That, that's, that's, I think, what the problem is. And so um, I, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Look, I, I grew up in L.A. Uh, I, I don't know where you guys grew up. Where did you guys grow up in? I'm just curious about that. Uh, I, I grew up in L.A. You, you grew up in L.A. as well, right, Andrew? Yeah, Lingwood, California. Yeah, what, what, Compton. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Jason? I grew up in Las Vegas, so my view on this does vary from you guys big time. Because I grew up in Vegas, and in Vegas, to be honest, this whole thing, it wasn't even so, like, there wasn't, I never, I didn't grow up, like, seeing racism at all. I went to an Adventist Academy, first off, like, so, obviously, like, that's going to be the last place where you would expect it. But even at that academy, the majority of the students were white, and I was one of the few Hispanics, and there were... Uh, uh, like maybe two Asians and then a couple other um, uh, black students, but there was never, um, at least at the academy, there wasn't racial profiling. If anything, the big problems that were on the news are like, oh, mobsters, this, gangs, that. That was like the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I grew up in LA, and um, I, you know, my experience is 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 maybe a little bit similar to Andrew's, but we also lived in different parts of LA as well. Um, but, um, you know, I, I remember going to Gardena high school and Gardena high school is a very diverse high school, but it was very diverse among minorities, not among the majority. Right. So we didn't have as many white students, uh, at Gardena high school. Uh, it was like about, about 
I would say maybe about 40, 40 uh, uh, Hispanic, black, and then we had maybe like another uh, mix of everything else, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just every once in a while, I remember like every, every two months uh, in school, there was always this rumor that it was going to be blacks against Hispanics again, right? And uh, I remember a friend telling me, hey, look, I, I, I saw how to do this and somebody taught me how to, how to do a shank out of a pencil, like, like literally, okay? Um, you got to protect yourself, Mitch, you got to protect yourself. And, um, you know, at, at some point, I think you get kind of numb to it, right? Uh, just seeing the racial tensions that exist, you, you kind of get numb and you just keep living your life. Um, and and it, was, it was kind of weird because I remember when I was in high school, I ended up in a black history class and I was the only Hispanic person in the black history class. And so um, that kind of opened up my eyes to just a completely different world. And when I moved to college, uh, now I jumped from one extreme completely to another because I went to UC Santa Cruz uh, for my bachelor's in, in Latin American and politics. And um, that was like, I mean, talk about being a minority. Like I knew in LA, I was a minority, but you know, there was a lot of us up there. It was like, Whoa, people are surfing up here. Like hippie life. Like what is this? Right. <laughs> and, and so, so I've, I like, I've kind of been exposed to all, all different places, at least in California. Right. And um, I've been the victim of, uh, of, of moments that I feel are, are discrimination from everyone. Honestly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking about white uh, towards me, but uh, every race that is not Hispanic towards me. And so um, uh, when I, when I see this, yeah, sometimes you end up saying, oh, this is more of the same, but this, this feels different. And I feel that the reason it feels different is because uh, as I think you were saying this, Jason, we now have social media, right? I think you were the one saying that. And, uh, and because we have social media, everything is now visible. It's very hard to hide which means that we all saw what happened to George Floyd, if you were able to stomach it, right? Um, and and you're, you're left with all these emotions. And so um, this is where I'm at. Honestly, I'm still very conflicted about a lot of different things, about a lot of things that I've seen in the past eight, nine days um, in, in for uh, our church program at 6 p.m. You guys are all invited to join if you want to, uh, but I'm gonna be speaking on this a little bit more slightly different angle uh, but you know, this is kind of just, that's kind of a reflection of all these different things that I'm feeling about this. Right. And then that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, just frustrated with our government, frustrated with, uh, with our leaders, frustrated with the racial tension, frustrated with our opinions, frustrated with everything. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I wanted to add, add something, you know, to, to what we're saying, because we're, we're talking about how, I think the important thing that we're doing here is to bring awareness, right? I think the biggest thing is not to say that we've been through the same types of oppression as some of our, our brothers have, mm. right? And I know, uh, Mitch, you said that you, you have dealt with it to some extent, you know, um, and, and maybe Jason and I, you know, to some extent. But I think it's, it's to bring awareness. And, and I was telling you guys earlier that it was kind of, I was kind of hard for me to stomach up because... I actually had someone that, that told me that you guys shouldn't speak up on this. I don't think you guys should speak on this subject. Right. right? And that to me kind of left, left me thinking like, maybe we shouldn't like, you know, right. we are not the target. You can say, you know, I, 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 right. And so I was kind of, kind of left me, but there was this quote that I found right here. Uh, someone posted it, right. It's uh, I guess they made a letter, right. Uh, speaking to uh, different parts of the family. 
right? And they said this one part that I thought was interesting that I want to share with you guys. It says, right here, it says, hey, best friend, did you know your silence is actually hindering the ability to spread awareness? It says, it says advocate for anti-racism. You should actually use your voice uh, to, you should actually use your voice, speak up for the greater good. Don't worry if you don't know what to say. The black, the black community would rather you show up imperfectly than not show up at all. Hmm. And that to me kind of gave me just a little bit of kind of like comfort to know, even if we do not portray this in the best manner, we're doing something and we're bringing awareness to this topic even if it's in, imperfect as we, sure. as we can bring it, right? We're trying to bring this to light, right? And, and like you said, we're trying to come at it from a biblical standpoint. Right? Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and, and, and we're going to jump into this. Allow me to say, though, um, we're talking about this from our experiences, obviously. Uh, I, I don't have uh, uh, relatives that I know of, at least, that were slaves in this country, right? I mean, I, 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 I just, I can't, I can't share that. I can't. Um, I can't feel that same thing that many others have felt or that went through the oppression of the 1950s, 1960s, which was ridiculous, right? Absolutely insane. You wouldn't even imagine that that was the world that existed back then. That yeah. being said, though, um, here I am. And look, and I, and I can only speak personally about this. Um, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the church here. I'm speaking on behalf of myself, but I have a platform that I need to speak on. And, and I can't go and just simply ignore this when I'm getting text messages from people saying, hey, what's your opinion on this? Now, on the other hand, hey, I'm a minority as well. Like I've had my challenges as well, too. I've had my struggles. I have felt what it, what it, what it feels like to be looked down upon simply because I'm the wrong shade of color, right? So um, we all have something to say about this. And I really am not a fan of when people say, well, for example, you're not this color, therefore you can't speak about it. Because if at that point I can't speak about it, then how is it that we come to better solutions unless we actually sit down together? I don't care where you're from, but sit down together and say, hey, let's talk about this and let's find a way to make this better. Right. Um, and, and I think I think I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because I, I do want to jump into yeah. literally what we want to get to, which is what does the Bible say about this, right? And, and and let's start off with perhaps the most important question, which I hope is clear for everyone, but we're going to make it clear today. What does the Bible say about racism, right? What does the Bible say about racism? And, and I, I don't know if any of you want to give it a shot first, but you know, I, I think we all have something to say about that. So kind of briefly, what do you guys feel the Bible says about racism? I don't think it's for it at all. I don't think it's for it because racism, racism implies oppression. Hmm. And how would the Bible be for oppression when Jesus exact mission in Isaiah was to free the oppressed? So that to me just sets out the entire tone for the Bible. Like racism is not, that's just not it. That's not, that's not something God's for, that Jesus is for, that the Bible's for, that the prophets are for. Sure. That's, that's not it. Uh, by the way, sorry, just a question popped up immediately right now as we were talking about this. Uh, Elias writes, uh, why, why didn't the Bible condemn slavery? And maybe, maybe we'll get to that in a second here. 
but um, are but we going to jump into that? that no, I no, 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 no. That's a I whole other. Hold on. I said maybe we might get into. Okay, because okay. I was like, hey, I've been, I've been telling you, I wanted to talk, talk about that one. Yeah, it's absolutely. The whole topic on its own. So, I, absolutely. Um, but, but, um, I, and I'm going to say something about that in a second. But, uh, let me, let me say something, Andrew, if I can, before you answer this idea of what does the Bible say about racism. The funny thing is that the word racism doesn't really exist in scripture. Um, uh, racism or racist, these are not terms that are used in scripture. Um, and I think part of it is understanding the context of when the Bible was written. Now, remember, the Bible was given at a certain place and time. So the people who wrote scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit were subject to their surroundings. Um, and in the Old Testament, there was a lot of tribalism, a lot of nation against nation, people against people, right? The concept of multiculturalism is not present in scripture because there is no such thing as a nation who ends up being multicultural, if we could put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, even if you were to look at a nation like Babylon, who ended up conquering other nations, it wasn't to incorporate them and make them equals. It was to subjugate other nations, right? So this idea of multiculturalism and, and multi-ethnic really doesn't exist within a nation. You really had, again, this idea of tribe against tribe, people against people. Uh, you see it, for example, in the time of David, right? The people of Israel versus the people of Philistine. Um, so it's kind of weird for us to say, what does the Bible say about racism? But I do know what the Bible says of God's opinion towards these issues, right? And one of the things that I see very prevalent in the Old Testament is that, for example, when Noah constructs the ark, the ark is open for all people, right? When Abraham is called uh, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, the goal is for him to be a blessing to all nations. Uh, in Exodus, when we see the people of Israel being called, I think this is actually in the book of Deuteronomy, where literally God calls the people of Israel to be a priest, a nation of priests for God. And you wonder, well, if they are the priests, then who are they serving? Because the priests would serve the people. And the idea was that they were to be the ones that were in, that would intercede or would be in the middle, right, uh, between God and the people, trying to connect everyone else, all other nations, uh, towards God. So um, when when you look at this idea of racism in Scripture, um, although it may not say the Bible is against racism, it's definitely against the nature of God, and it's definitely against what God wanted to see among His people. By the way, in case you don't know this. Moses, who was a Jew, ended up marrying a black woman. Okay, um, and, and and so even the, the the greatest prophet, perhaps maybe after Elijah, the greatest prophet that ever existed in in the Jewish nation, um, and the greatest writer in perhaps all of Scripture, was married to someone that did not share his same ethnicity. Um, in fact, I believe the prophet Balaam, who was a prophet of God, was not Jewish either. And eventually, you see. That there's this concept in the uh, in the major prophets where the idea is that all nations are to be gathered once again, all nations, right? Everyone, and so that's kind of what I see in the Old Testament. I mean, there's some more stuff to say about the New Testament, but I think that's clear in in in, in Jesus. I, uh, Andrew, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if you were going to say something. Yeah. Oh, and just kind of, I just wanted to piggyback off what you were saying. I was actually hearing a message uh, on that um, not so long ago about what you're talking about, how um, Moses was actually married to an Ethiopian, right? Uh, what, and then there's a discussion of, you know, what, what that would be today, you know, West African, all kinds of things. And, mm -hmm. and, and he says he actually, in that sermon he actually talks about how Miriam and Aaron, Aaron spoke up, spoke out against that. 
as if to say, you know, the the union of that, right? And then God comes, and then what happens? She, uh, he turns a Miriam uh, a leprous, right? White as right. snow, and, right? Almost as if to say that God was against their thinking, and and Moses was his his spokesman, right? But that's a whole other topic on it on its own. But I wanted to uh, shed yeah, more light to what you were saying, right? A- Andrew, you- Andrew. By, by the way, sorry, sorry to interrupt because I, let me just add one other example that's in similar fashion. Uh, Joseph, uh, son son of of Jacob, right? Ends up in Egypt, and the Bible says that he ends up marrying an Egyptian woman, and he has two kids with the Egyptian woman. That's Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that Ephraim and Manasseh notice end up having part in the 12 tribes of Israel. They actually actually end up having an inheritance. So notice that, right? And in the genealogy of Jesus, we have Rahab. And Rahab was not Jewish. Rahab was actually of Jericho. So you end up seeing that there is a lot of mixture that God allows. God doesn't necessarily oppose it. I just wanted to add that just so we can complete the, the, uh, the, the details there. No, absolutely. And you, you said, you said uh, what I was going to say, you know, that the word racism doesn't actually show up in the Bible. The only times you see the word actual like race is when it's talking about Adam, which Mm -hmm. is interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, you were saying there, there's this tribalism that, that exists uh, later on, but it reminded me of a verse found in uh, Genesis nine, six, right? Uh, Up until this point, right? I talked about this before the way God dealt with, uh, I guess, murder, right? Uh, Or or death, right? We see with uh, Cain, with Cain, right? And Abel, the whole situation, right? He allows him, uh, Cain, to have, I guess, his own will to a certain extent, right? He, he's going to be a forever a, a wanderer, right? A restless wanderer, as he puts it, right? But then it got to a point, like we were saying last time, where the violence was continually so bad that after the whole Noah's Ark, right, he makes a covenant with Noah. And there's a point where it says in Genesis 9, 6, it says, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man, right? So God said here and no further at this point, right? Now there will be consequences, right? Direct consequences. But the interesting part of that is the end, it says, for in the image of God, he made man, right? In essence, essence saying the reason why you shouldn't kill, the reason why you shouldn't do these things, because you are made in the image of God, right? And that can apply to everything else, right? Racism, right? Why shouldn't we be racist? Because in the image of God, we were made, uh, man was made, right? And remember, we looked at that word man, which actually means mankind. So that race up until that point meant everyone. It wasn't a certain sect, right? Or, or, or a, a division. We were all under that, that mankind. We're all under the image of God. And then it wasn't until the Tower of Babel, where you start to see actually uh, uh, sections to start falling, uh, uh, you know, where, where God comes and confuses the languages, right? And, and everybody scatters them throughout the world where you actually start to see a, a separation, right? Tribes and all these different things. But before that, it was all one race. So this idea that, you know, well, what we're talking about, ra- racism isn't actually a word found in the Bible, but actually it was meant to include everyone, right? And, and, and I just wanted to make that point. Right now that you say um, race, uh, during this week, um, I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen it. It's all, I saw, I, I, I really saw it because of Twitter. And it was this lady that just completely destroyed the whole race theory. Mm. She said, there's only one race that I know. And it's, and it's, and it's humankind. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just like, boom, debunk on the minute. 
everything else that we see as race, it's nationalities. And it's nationalities and colors of skin. Nowhere is there like something that says, oh, the race of, of, of Mexico is different from the race of El Salvador or anything like that. And there's no scientific back to that. Mm-hmm. Now, nationality-wise, I get it. There's a difference. There's a different way of eating. There's a different way of talking. Um, and if we look at the, like right now, I just looked up the definition of, um, of racism. And the definition of racism is prejudice, discrimination, and antagonism directed against someone of a different race believed on, uh, based on the belief that one race is superior. And something that stuck out to me, and it's a word that's been mentioned a lot, especially within the Christian community, is prejudice. Now, if we look at the definition of that, is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Hmm. So the idea of, of racism, it's a prejudice. It's something that's somebody's opinion that's not at all based on actual experience or if we, either, if we further lead it on, on actual fact. It's just a prejudice. It's something that doesn't necessarily exist, something that's not real. And then to back up what um, you were saying earlier, Mitch, um, if we go to Revelations 7, verse 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, all of the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne, before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. All of the nations, all of the tongues, all of the tribes, no, the Bible does not back up racism at all. If anything, it backs up the complete opposite. It black, backs up that everybody is going to be there on that final day. From mm. every single walk of life, they're all going to be there on that final day. So in, in, a Christian, in, in the Christian walk, if you, if you are really like living out with prejudice or racism to your, towards your brother and sister you're doing it all wrong because you're not going with what the Bible's telling you at all. Right. What, what, are, you, what are you going to end up doing in heaven when, when you're going to have to deal with that one uh, skin color or with that one race or ethnicity or whatever that you don't like? Man, you're going to make heaven into hell, mm-hmm. right? Because exactly. you can't stand it. I, like it I, you can see that at the very end. Uh, uh, Andrew, I know, I know you were uh, semi-raising your hand. I'm not, I'm not sure what, yeah. what this <laughs> yeah. means, but... <laughs> You know, I think that kind of means you want to say something. No, no. You know, I just just wanted to, uh, you know, for those people that are are looking for straight Bible verses, I just wanted to throw out some quick, just in case, you know, because we were talking about the word racism not existing in the Bible, but there is the idea, as Jason was saying, that God is against prejudice, against uh, racism, the idea uh, uh, of racism, right? So I just wanted to throw out a couple quick verses just so that you guys can have. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God, right? We have the word just there, right? And then Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ, right? Uh, another one, uh, last one, uh, in Acts 10.34, it says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, or in other versions, it says, shows no favoritism, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. 
hey, let's get let's get an, let's get a great example of this for a second. Jonah is called to go and minister for salvation to the, his enemies, to the worst people that he could. Look, the Assyrians were bad. Okay, the Assyrians were the greatest oppressors at that moment that that God's people had uh, up to that po- moment, right? So the ba- and, Babylonians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. So, you know, it depends on how you look at it, right? The Assyrians with Israel and and the Babylonians with Judah, but whatever, right? They're they're both there and they both oppress. And what's fascinating is that God sends out and he says, look, at the end, right? This is what the lesson of Jonah is. How could I not love them, right? That's kind of God's point here. How how could I not love these people? Um, I, I also want to bring out, even before we reach Revelation, Jason, we have got, I mean, the commands that, Jesus himself tells us the great commission says, I have it right here, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, mm-hmm. man, that is powerful of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit. So all the nations have an opportunity to be part of God's people, to be a disciple of Jesus, every single one of them. And I really like what Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight. I think you guys know this verse. But the way he puts it is so important because of the context that it's given in, right? He is telling this primarily to Jewish followers. At this moment, there are only Jewish followers, right? The first Christians were Jewish. And he tells them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And he adds in there, and Samaria. And if you guys don't know this historically, right? Samaria and, and, uh, and, and Judah, right? or uh, sorry, Samaria and Jerusalem, or Israel, Samaria was the capital of Israel, and uh, Judah, Jerusalem was the capital of Judah, they split, right? They used to be all one nation. They ended up splitting. And because of their, could it be political difference? Could it be religious differences? Whatever it is, they ended up hating each other, okay? More the Jews so. racist. Towards- absolutely, absolutely. And, and what was it? It was, this is where you came from. Therefore, I mean, remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? They would go by him mm-hmm. and they would literally put religious excuses so as to not help this person out. And Jesus ends up putting in there, oh no, you're going to be witnesses to me in Samaria as well. You can imagine what runs through the head of these disciples. Wait, wait a minute. You mean our enemies? You mean the people that we hate, the people that we can't stand? And it shows you that Jesus intentionally wants them to bring in as many as possible from wherever there is. And I'll just say this here. There is not an ounce of racism within any single cell of Jesus, right? More importantly, um, if, if you guys agree with me or not, here it is. Racism is a sin. Racism is a sin. I'm going to say it one more time. Racism is a sin. There's no way around that. You cannot excuse that in scripture because it goes against what Jesus says. By the way, I'm going to talk about this at 6 p.m. just to let you guys know. But racism is a sin. Can I, I, can I, I mention a, a comment? That clearly backs oh. this up. Romans 2.11. For there is no partiality with God. There's just none. So it's not... It's, it's just not like I can't I can't put it more straightforward. And I, I mentioned a, a comment here that uh, Christopher Lopez puts here. I think he, he puts it says, I think another great example of how God feels toward racism is Jesus encounter with the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. There's Israelites didn't like the Samaritans and walk around uh, their territory. But uh, but Jesus. Right. Uh, it's interesting that you said that. Right. The, the Samaritan woman. And it's true. It reminds me of, of uh, the time where um, 
I believe it's Jesus where he's saying, you know, in the time of Elijah, there were many widows, but they, he, they, they were, but he was not sent to any of them, but to a woman, a widow in Zarephath. He mm. said, in the time of Elijah, there were many uh, lepers, but he wasn't sent to any of them, but to a leper named Naaman, the Syrian, right? Mm. And, and in essence, breaking down those barriers as if to say, there were many that, Jesus, that, that Elijah could have gone to go help, but God sent him where, the, where, where people didn't think he would, like the Samaritans, the Syrians, yeah. right? A, a widow in Zarephath. So absolutely, this is uh, Jesus saying this is the breaking down uh, of, of those barriers and uh, of the idea of racism. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. And, and look, and, and let, I mean, let's kind of jump into this as well, right? Because perhaps we, we, we may look, you know, we're always looking for proof text, right? Oh, look, this is what it says right here. Um, you know, but I mean, you could point to other things as well. Early Christian church was having issues between the Jews and the Gentiles. And for the record, um, although the Jews were oppressed by the Romans, the Jews despised the Romans as Gentiles. In fact, if you were a Gentile, you were looked down upon, upon the Jews. Like this was, mm-hmm. this was hardcore tribalism back then. Right. I mean, if, if you want to call that racism, you can. What's interesting though, is that eventually as the church begins to form Paul, right? Greatest writer in the New Testament goes in and he says, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's a slap right across the face. You know why? Because what, what Paul was trying to say is, look, these Gentiles are now through Christ, part of your people. They are now people who inherit the the promises of abraham and and if that did not shake your your preconceptions your your prejudices your racisms towards other people man you were going to have a tough time trying to be a follower of christ when this is the message right um so i i find and and i'll add one more verse here because colossians chapter three i don't know if you guys read this text but i think it's also important right it says um uh, we have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. This is Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. There we go. This is the idea of races, right? Slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And if I can add one last thing to this, because I'm going to add one more text. Romans chapter 10, um, verse 11 through 13. Bible says, hear me out on this. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction. (laughs) Listen to that, right? There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is, uh, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know what, uh, what Jesus came to do? He came to establish a church that became the great equalizer, right? All of a sudden now, if you were a Jew or a Greek, didn't matter. If you were rich or you were poor, didn't matter. If you were black or you were white, it didn't matter. It None of this matters in Christ. And yet, let me say this, and yet, 2,000 years later, it still matters, mm. right? And it shows you that that unfortunately, the world will never get fully behind what Jesus is asking of us. But all these texts, in my opinion, are very clear about what happens um, when, uh, when, when, when you start looking at what Jesus wants as a culture among us. Yeah, 
it's everything that's happening, everything, all that is caused is because there's a great, like, what's the word I could use? It, it's just, we're missing Jesus in the bigger picture. Mm. That, that's what, that's really what it is. Cause once you have, once you have Jesus, those, when you truly have Jesus, when you truly and earnestly seek him, those things go away. The prejudices go away. The, the thinking you're better than somebody else goes away because all of that is it's covered by Jesus's love. And once you start experimenting Jesus's love, you, you just have to show it. You can't keep it. You can't just the whole, it's, it's so basic that little kids seeing this little light of mine. Hmm. And we think of it as just as a children's song, but if us as adults don't really understand the point of that children's song, we're never going to understand what Jesus's will is for our lives. Because if we're not out there letting our little light shine, if we're not out there preaching about Jesus, preaching about, hey, there is no prejudice with God. God is impartial. He doesn't have favoritism. He is open to every single person from every single walk of life. Mm. If we don't understand that, we're always going to have these problems. We're always going to have this rampant cancer in our society. And to be honest, I feel like this is going to be a rampant cancer until Jesus returns. I, as like, I hate to say it because I wish it was something that got taken out of the picture because it hurts. It hurts to see my, my brother and sister get hurt just because somebody thinks that they're better than them. And it hurts to, if it hurts to see just when I see like people, families getting destroyed by ice, it hurts just as much to see Floyd getting murdered like that. Hearing those cries, hearing him even calling out for his mom, man, that if that doesn't, if that's not gut wrenching to you, mm. you, you, you honestly got to check your priorities, man. Cause that there is no, there's just no way that someone could take someone's life away like that and you not feel powerless and not being able to save that person, especially when you're a Christian, you cannot be a Christian and see those videos or hear about other cases like that and not feel and understand the injustice that was carried out. Mm. You just can't. Mm. And if, if you're a Christian or, or profess that you're a Christian and to you, this is just something that's flies by you. You got to check your relationship with God. I'm not going to point fingers out cause I'm, I, I, that's not me. But if that's something that's, 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 that's an issue between you and God. And you really got to look at that because none of that exists with, with, with God. It just can't. It's, it just doesn't fit. Right. It, it doesn't fit. I, I, think, I think Elias backs you up. It seems like he's uh, singing Jesus Loves Little Children in, in the comments yes. there. Yes. I remember <laughs> singing that Elias. song. I remember singing that song. You know what? And it's crazy because you can kind of picture how much things have changed uh, or how things change the older that you get. Because the song, you know, and I know he's quoting it right there, but, you know, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Man, as a little kid, you don't see that. I, I grew again, growing up in LA, man, I, I don't like, it wasn't like I all of a sudden saw, saw color and I'm like, Oh man, you know what? Uh, so-and-so's this color. So-and-so's that color. What's up. I remember my best friend when I was in, in, in second, third, fourth grade uh, was Vietnamese. And it never occurred to me as a, as a child, it never occurred to me that all of a sudden that person is either better or, or less than I am. I, I just figured he was just my friend. And, and what's fascinating, though, is that as we grow older, 
these are the things that we pick up and and you know maybe this is just a completely different topic but look i i believe that there are people who saw what happened to floyd uh, george floyd and i believe that people are numb to what happened to him because do you know how much violence we see on tv do you know how much of that stuff we see in the movies how much we see which is the ironic thing of all of it is that some of the actors and i and sorry and i'm i'm kind of ranting here but this is the truth some of the actors that are out there talking about uh, police brutality or talking about violence against certain races actually portray and make a bunch of millions of millions of dollars in portraying those same images to us. And so we're, we're just, we're just such a, uh, a messed up and convoluted society in so many different ways that, that it's like, it just blows your mind. And you're right, Jason, you end up saying, you know what it's the end now i don't think that means and i and i kind of throw this question at you guys fine the end is coming and this is not going to get better and it's going to be a cancer that's going to take us to our death so what we don't do anything about it because that's what some people say some people will end up saying you know what um yeah some people will say you know what uh it's going to be the end of the world anyways there's no point so what what say you guys okay i actually just pulled up i was looking at a text right before that and it says, it's actually Isaiah 56, 58, 6. And it says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the, the, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Never does it say, don't worry, I'm coming. So you don't have to do nothing. It's saying, this is what I was sent to do. And as a Christian, we're supposed to carry out every single aspect of Jesus's mission until he returns. Right. So how am I not going to do that? If I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm professing to be a Christian, how am I not going to loosen the bonds of the wicked, undo heavy burdens and oppress the free and break every single one of those yokes? How am I not going to go do that? It's, I'm sorry, but you're not a Christian. If you think otherwise, you're just not a Christian. You're something else. You have some ideology that, that does just doesn't let you classify as a Christian. For sure. For sure. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I was just smiling right now because apparently we got, we got unity going on here in the chat, Jason, uh, I, I, while you were talking, there were some comments coming in here. Yeah. I just saw Chris's um, comment, you know, and, and, uh, and they just kind of typed it at the exact same time. Racism is taught. That's why we don't rec recognize it as kids says Christopher. And Elias says it definitely feels like racism or racist tendencies are taught. They said at the same time, Look, you know what, guys, if you guys want to join us in this chat, you know, we'll send you the ID <laughs> and all that. And that way you guys can, uh, can bring in those thoughts. But but uh, but uh, honestly, uh, Andrew, let me ask you, um, you know, what what do we learn from Jesus that perhaps we can apply to today? Uh, because I, I think we got to look at his life and start saying, OK, um, what what did Jesus teach me in his life that perhaps gives me an idea of how I should be able to handle some of these uh, tough issues regarding race today? No, yeah, absolutely true. You know, how, how was it that Jesus hand, handled the, the, the prejudice and, and everything that's going on? And I think, you know, it kind of goes along with a, a statement that I was kind of talking to someone. Remember, I told you guys about that, that heated uh, debate that we were getting into. They made this statement. They said, you know, with, with all the, the, the riots and the, and the looting and all these things that are going on, of course, it's something that we can't avoid. But they said, this is how it's always happened in history. This is how revolutions happen. This is how change happens. This has to happen. This is why 
people do these things, mm. right? That these are things that have to happen, right? This is how we should handle these things, right? And I think it, when we look at the life of Jesus, and this is just me, sometimes I think uh, when it comes to the, this, uh, this subject, we want to dismiss Jesus, right? And what mm. he did in his life. And we say, well, you know, that was Jesus, you know, he, you know, that, that you know, it, it, you can't really compare that to what's going on right now. But I, I, I think we compare exactly to what, what is going on right now. If you think about, right, what Jesus went through and the time that he was born at, think about the very first chapter of Matthew, where um, Herod is ta- talking to uh, uh, um, uh, the, the wise men asking where Jesus is going to be born, right? And what happens after he, he realizes they conned him? He asks that all the what? The babies, right? Mm. Be killed, mm. massacred, right? This is King Herod at the time of Jesus, right? So Jesus is growing up in an era where things like this are happening. The kings, the oppression, like you said, of the Romans was insane. Some of these people were out of their mind. Herod, at the drop of a dime, asked to kill babies like thousands and thousands of babies, right? No people problem. like Nero, who were beheading people, who were, who were uh, uh, boiling people, killing people, just out of their mind, right? And we say, oh, well, in Jesus' time, Jesus, maybe Jesus couldn't understand the oppression that was going on. I, I would dare to say that the oppression was even worse than what, what's going on now, right? right? I was hearing this, uh, this, uh, this uh, um, a sermon by, this, um, by, by a black man named Eric Walsh, right? And he says that the title of his sermon is uh, Crippling the Gospel, How Racism Hurts the Church, right? And he, he, he says this statement, right, where I, that... He says that the oppression that Jesus and the the Jews were going through at that time was worse than what's going on nowadays, right? And that the Jews at that time, and Jesus included, had every right to go over there and revolt against the Romans and and, and massacre the the, the Romans because that's what they wanted to do. We know about this, uh, what happened prior to this with the the Maccabees, right? Right. And all, all this situation... So in the Jewish mentality, they were even looking for a king that fit that very, uh, 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 how would you say, it? that fit that very narrative. Someone who was going to come with power, who would be able to overthrow those, 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 uh, those Romans, right? So these Jewish people were living in a time where the oppression was heavy, right? I, I would dare to say worse than what's going on now, because at the drop of a dime, they were... Uh, beheaded, killed, did all these different things. And then Jesus comes along and says, turn the other cheek. Then Jesus comes along and says, love your enemy, right? And this way you will heap burning coals on his head. He says all these different things, which was contrary to, to someone who should have been able to, to, to revolt and riot and do all these different things, right? And retaliate. So I think what Jesus does is something far greater than than anything. Uh, the the lesson that we can learn. If you guys remember when uh uh uh, uh Peter comes to Jesus' aid, at when he's going uh, uh when when the time has come, and he cuts off the high priest uh, uh servant's ear, Malchus. He cuts off his ear, and what happens? Jesus says, "He who lives by the sword will die by the sword." Right. right? Do you not know at this time that I could bring all these angels? Right. And he heals the man. So right before he's going to to what he knows is his death. He heals a man that that is telling me a lot right there. Right. And we have so many other things. And I want to read you guys a quote. I told you guys I've been reading 
a, a lot of Martin Luther King, right? If you guys uh, for some reason say, oh, well, Jesus thought this way, but, but we can't apply that today. Look at what Martin Luther King says here. It says, now let me say, secondly, that if we are to have peace in the world, men and nations must embrace the nonviolent affirmation that ends and means must cohere, right? Because people will, will, what people will say is these revolutions have to take place. These, uh, 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 in order for change to happen, these things have to happen, right? It doesn't matter how we get there to the end as long as we get there. But Martin Luther King is saying, now let me say secondly, that if we are to have peace in this world, men and nations must embrace the nonviolent affirmation that ends and means must con cohere. He says, one of the great, the great philosophical debates of history has been over the whole question of means and ends. And there have always been those who argued that the end justifies the means, that the means really aren't important, that the important thing is to get to the end, you see. So if you're seeking to develop a just society, they say, the important thing is to get there and the means are really unimportant. Any means will do so long as they get you there. They may be violent, they may be untruthful means, they may even be unjust means to a just end. There have been those who argued this throughout history, but he says, but we will never have peace in the world until men everywhere recognize that the ends are not cut off from the means because the means represent the ideal in the making and the end, and the end in process. And ultimately you can't reach good ends through evil means because the means represents the seed and the end represents the tree. Yeah. You know what? It, it's very interesting. Um, uh, his quote, and I, I don't know exactly when he said that. Um, but for those of you who don't know, uh, Martin Luther King was, um, uh, he was uh, criticized a lot for his non-violent non approach mm -hmm. to this revolution, right. To the civil rights movement. So much so that Malcolm X, who was, uh, you know, who, who has that uh, very popular statement to them, uh, to him, uh, by any means necessary, right, or by all means necessary, yeah. um, uh, who, you know, again, belonged to the nation of, of Islam before all the craziness happened with Malcolm X and, um, and uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and all those things. Uh, but there was a strong criticism towards Martin Luther King that he was an Uncle Tom because of his nonviolent view of things. But it's funny that he says that because I think this is what Jesus has been saying from the very beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Which is that a, a good fruit isn't the result of a bad tree. It is always bad tree equals bad fruit. Good tree equals good, good, good fruit. In other words, uh, for us to end up having good results, the entire thing has to change, including the means by which we achieve the good mm -hmm. fruit. I, I, I get that quote. Um, it's, it's super powerful, right? but also a response back to all those who say, well, the way of Christ is an inferior way. And at this point, then we should go violent. We should go uh, riot, right? We should go do this. We should go do that. And my question is, if at the, end of, at the end of the day, the way we are trying to achieve peace is through violence, well, how has that worked for us so far? Because up to this point, we thought that by doing these massive world wars, we would achieve peace. We still don't have it. Still don't have it. We still don't have it. Oh, we thought that by creating the greatest weapon on the history uh, of humanity, right, Th that can kill millions of people within one drop. Well, we thought that was going to bring peace. 
That didn't happen. So when will we end up saying, you know what? Let's stop doing it the way of man and let's start doing it now the way of Jesus. Because it just so happens that the way of Jesus ended up transforming the entire world. Mm. Not a nation, not a culture. The entire world was changed by a man who said, love your enemy. Ooh, you know what I mean? Look, and, and, let me, and let me add this, by the way. Jesus not only was someone who would preach this, he knew all about being despised. He knew about being rejected. He knew, and I'm quoting Isaiah 58.3. You guys know this, right? Uh, the, 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 the prophecy of the Messiah says that the Messiah would be despised and rejected by men, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, right? Uh, and it says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Jesus knew about that. And yet... Jesus has officially become the most powerful man in the entire history of the world, okay? No matter who you are, no matter if you believe in God, whatever, he has become the most influential man in the history of the world. Why? Look at his means and look at the end. Can I, can I, I want to continue this because it's, oh man, it's so powerful. Jesus, you know, we've talked about this before, that method with Jesus is everything right? It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about how you get there. Even when you think about the Ten Commandments and when he goes in the Sermon on the Mount, right? What does he do? He says, before it was said this, but now I say, right? What he was saying, it's not about just keeping the commandments. It's the way you keep them. Mm. It's a method, right? And, and, and Jesus does this throughout the entire, uh, throughout his entire time on earth. It's all about the method, right? In John chapter 10, Verses one through three, right? I don't want to bring this too off topic, but right, he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by, by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber, right? Talking about a, a, a salvation, how we get there, right? It is the, it is the means, it's just as important as the end, right? How we get there, the method, uh, uh, that, the way that we get there, right? And, and we think, you know, uh, when I was having that, that whole, uh, I guess, argument or debate with that person, uh, with my friend, one of the interesting things that he said was, this is how we've always done it in the past. This is how change is brought about. But the interesting part about that is that's why it keeps resurfacing, right? Because right. we don't use the right method. We right. don't use the right means, right? And we want to take Jesus out of the equation. But just like Jason said earlier, Jesus is the equation, right? right. And people don't want to hear that. Okay, right? okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Because I, I got to throw this in here. Because that question is in. I don't know if you saw it, Jason. I don't know if you saw it. I think I saw that's exact. I've, I've been wanting yes. to address this. So you guys know that. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. What, what's, the, what's the question? Right. What's the question? Because so I think it's important. We have the comment of Isaura saying, what about Jesus flipping the tables? Yes. For the last week, it's been something that has bothered me so much that people have been using this image of Jesus, this scenario to promote violence, to be able to say, hey, Jesus said it was okay. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and loot. Go ahead and steal. And what's upset me a lot is that there's been pastors that have been promoting this image. Now, I, we have got to go to the text to review this. So the story is Matthew. The story is found in Matthew 21. And it's exactly, it's found in verse 12. So I'm going to start reading. And it says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned tables of the money changers 
and of the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, this is the important part right here in my Bible. Anything that says by Jesus, it's in red words. So this is the important part. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. My house. Drop the mic. Drop blows the mic. my mind. <laughs> Nowhere does it say Jesus was beating up any of those people selling stuff in there. People that were stealing out of other people's pockets, people that were overcharging for the doves, overcharging for whatever sacrifice, pure sacrifices that were supposed to be given to God. Mm. Never does it say that Jesus was beating on them. Never does it say that Jesus was stealing from them. All it says is that he kicked them out of his house. Nowhere does it say, go destroy that local business because they're, they're, they're destroying things in my house. Nowhere does it say that. It's talking about cleaning out his house. And that, that's, that takes me out to something that I just that I wanted to state earlier. We have all these social issues that are happening. And we always say it at the church. Everything starts at home. Hmm. And my church is also my home. And if we don't fix the prejudices and the racism in our local church, how are we ever going to fix that now I'm, i mean i think it is it's my opinion that is but what do you guys think do you guys think that we have racism and prejudices in the adventist church sure jason are you advocating to burn down churches <laughs> I'm just, because i believe that the meme should now go to you oh okay. man uh, <laughs> no no go ahead andrew go ahead go ahead oh i'm sorry i i, I wanted to to finish this thought because oh, yeah, go, go, go it, it's, it's very important i'm sorry we're talking about the method in which these things are achieved, right? And, and of course, we see everything that's going on with the riots. And of course, we have we see the other people that are peacefully protesting, which I, I, I'm, I'm com- well, in my opinion, I'm completely for peaceful protests. And, yes, and, yes. Know, we'll make that clear. The, I'm also, that clear. I'm also for that. And talking to Mitch, he's also for that protest because that, that's, that's how a lot of things are put out in public for everybody to see, for everybody to understand, for everybody to get educated on it because that's one of the things. People have got to get educated on this issue. So. And, 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 and another thing, a point I want to make is, um, I want to make clear is that that's not the only way, right? Mm-hmm. We have people that protest. We see people on social media. We have places like platforms like this where we try to uh, educate people. There's many ways that, 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 and, and avenues that we can do this, but I want to continue to what we're saying, right? The method is so important, right? Because this idea of, right, it's happened in history over and over again. And yes, it continues to come back because that seed is still there, right? It reminds me of what Ellen White says in The Great Controversy and kind of a little bit off topic, but I want to combine it when uh, uh, she's talking about uh, the whole uh, Great Controversy in heaven where uh, God didn't destroy uh, Satan right away. It said he didn't. I wish I had the quote here, but it said that he didn't destroy him right away because his plans must fully develop. Because if he would have destroyed Satan at that time, the angels would have served God out of fear and the spirit would have continued. That is key. The spirit would have continued. Right. If we use a violent methods or not the right method to get to this peace. Right. We say the spirit will continue. The spirit of racism will continue to resurface at some other point, at some other point, 
uh, uh, Martin Luther King puts it this way. I wish I had the quote here. He says, we're exchanging one wrong for another. All we're doing is the oppressed is becoming the oppressor. He says, uh, black supremacy is just as bad as white supremacy. That is powerful. When we think of that nonviolence approach that he was trying to say, he was trying to distinguish the spirit of racism, which Jesus talks all about, right? The heart issue, not just getting to the ends, not just bringing peace through violence, right? Which will resurface, but getting to that peaceful state through the right methods, which is important. I want to say this last quote before we continue, also by Martin Luther King. Look what it says. It says, take just a minute. I want to take just a minute to say something about the philosophy of nonviolence resistance. There's something about this method that has power. I know that there are those who would ridicule it occasionally, but it has worked miracles in the South. It has morality with it because it secures the opportunity to work moral ends through moral means. It says, this is the morality of it, but it has certain practical consequences. It exposes the moral defenses of the opponent. It somehow weakens his morale and all at the same time, it is working on his conscience. It disarms him and he doesn't know, he just doesn't know what to do with it. If he puts you in jail, that's all right. If he puts you, if he doesn't put you in jail, that's fine. If he beats you up, that's all right. If he doesn't beat you up, that's all right. If he tries to kill you, all right. You develop the quiet courage of dying, if necessary, without killing. If he tries to threaten you, all right. If he doesn't, all right. That is something that causes the opponent not to know what to do. It says, now, he would know what to do with violence. He could call out the state militia. He could call out the National Guard, kill hundreds and hundreds of innocent people, and argue that they are inciting a riot. They know how to handle violence, but they have proved over and over again that they don't know how to handle nonviolence. I was actually looking at a statistic because um, there was a certain situation I spoke to you guys about, and I was looking at statistics. And this statistic showed the failure of peaceful riots was, I believe, in the 20 percentile. And the failure of violent riots or violent protests was all the way up to 64%. And uh, it, 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 to me, it made sense really because, because of that, because I'm not for, for, for the violence aspect. But it just made me think like, man, like in agreement with to you just what you just said, when someone is, is aggressive towards you, and you just keep on giving them the other cheek. They they are the ones that end up confused. They don't know what to do. Just for just for instance, like certain situations where I've been harassed on the street. Um, something that my dad always told me to say was like, "Oh, just tell him Jesus loves you." It might you might be really upset at the moment. You might really want to not turn the cheek, but turn your your fist into his cheek. But I bet you, the moment that you tell him it's all right, Jesus loves you too, that's gonna give him a completely change of heart. It might not be right there on the moment in front of you, but he's going to think about that later on. And it's going to lead that person to think, wow, why did this guy not strike me back even though I was inciting it? Why did this guy um, like not, not answer back to me how I wanted him? And I think it applies to this as well. Obviously, we're not going to sit back and be like, oh, it's okay for him to do that. 
It's okay for them to beat up people. We have to denounce that, especially at Christians. We have to denounce that. But it's not our, it's not, God himself says it. Revenge is mine. It's not mine. Revenge is his. Right. I would, I would say that we would have to denounce the violence just as much as we would have yes. to denounce the racism. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I think that there are some Christians that denounce the violence in an excuse to not denounce the racism, mm. racism, right? And, and, and both of those, you cannot live in both sides. Like either you are with Christ or you're not with Christ. That's the mm -hmm. way I would say it. Um, and, and, you know, just very briefly, Jason, cause you asked a, an important question. Um, I, I, you know, I think that racism has to change and discrimination and prejudice and all these things have to change within our church first mm -hmm. and foremost. It is amazing to me that within a Hispanic church, we can have arguments simply because you are from Mexico and you are from El Salvador and yes. you are from uh, from Honduras and, and you are from South America and whatever. That's a bunch of nonsense. Honestly, that's a bunch of nonsense. You know why it's nonsense? Because at the end of the day, when we look at everyone else, we say, oh yeah, racism is wrong, right? But we don't mind practicing it among ourselves. Come on, when are we going to get behind Christ? Honestly, like when are we going to get behind the values of Jesus? Now, um, it, it, we, we're, we're going to have to start wrapping this up within the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah, <clears throat> but there are some some interesting questions, in my opinion, right, uh, regarding um, the government. What if the government all of a sudden started saying that we have to follow God's example in the name of peace? And I would say, Amen, Amen, and Amen to that. You mean that the government would actually want to follow God's example? Because the question also involved, you know, it seems like the president is endorsing Christianity, but do remember that as he is holding up a Bible right before that, he also threw smoke bombs. And he said, when the looting begins, the shooting begins, right? And he says that governors should be dominating rioters. Like, look, let's not use Christianity as a prop either, okay? Bottom line is that what Christianity is about oftentimes is not what it's practiced, exactly. right? Practicers of Christianity don't do it at the level of Jesus, and that is our fault. But we're not going to blame Christianity, or we're not going to blame Jesus for it. The government really wanted to get behind helping the needy, helping the poor, justice, mercy, forgiveness, grace, uh, loving everyone, being welcoming to whoever, uh, uh, being able to reach all nations all over the place. Hey, by all means, I welcome that. What we cannot do, though, I would say with the government is force people to believe in a specific religion. I think that's the yeah. problem. But if they are going to endorse the values of Christianity, I don't see a problem why why any, why anyone at least would end up saying, you know, oh yeah, the government wants to follow God's example and love everyone. Yeah, that, that's that's, that that's, what, that's what we were founded on to a certain extent. I say in quotations to a certain extent. To, to a certain extent, but here's the problem, right? And this is the argument against that is that ultimately, um, while the founding fathers established this this perfect union, right, um, in 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 trying to get these new values, um, it was under slavery. Yeah, right. And and so so we find ourselves doing what humans have done all along, which is say one thing but practice another, right? And and look, and I wanna I wanna quote uh, James Baldwin. I don't know if you I don't know if you guys know who James Baldwin is. Uh, he was an activist, essayist, playwright, um, uh, prolific writer uh, back in the, you know, friends with Malcolm X, with Martin Luther King, with, uh, um, uh, with, with many activists back in, in the 1960s. And he says this, I, 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 this quote I thought was very interesting to me. Again, this is also a black man. Uh, he says that 
uh, talking about racism and the racial discrimination that we're dealing with, he says, it's not a racial problem. It's a problem of whether or not you're willing to look at your life and be responsible for it and then begin to change it. That to me speaks volumes because the idea here is, oh, oh, you're, oh, you're trying to fix so-and-so's problem. You know what? If each one of us would look at ourselves internally and say, what are my problems? This would be a better place to live all day long. If we would be responsible for our own lives, it's not even so much a racial problem. It's the fact that we're not willing to look in the mirror and see that I have a racial problem where, oh, you know what? I say, oh, I'm not, I'm not a racist. Oh, but if my son one day wants to marry a black woman, oh, no, no, I don't know about that. Mm, how many times okay. have we not heard that? Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So wait, which one is it? Are you not a racist or are you against people that are black? What, what, I don't get it, right? We have to decide at some point, look in the mirror, be like Christ or not. One or the other. One or the other. And I mean, there's also like, like right now when you said well, marriage, something that, 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 that irks me is when I hear Hispanic people or other um, Hispanic countries that are, that, that, are, that are, I don't that are colored as well. Like they're black and whatnot. Like when I hear the term mejorar la raza. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that, bro. I've heard that. Oh my <laughs> goodness, man. That, that, it, 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 it really, it bothers me. It just. Sure. Jason, oh. Jason, the irony of that statement. Exactly. Is that we don't like it when another race says that we are inferior, but we like to say that other races are inferior. Come on now. Like, what is that? I, these are the things that, and I get it, check yourself, right? Check yourself. And I think that we have inherent biases and prejudices in all of us. Check mm -hmm. yourself though. This is the whole point of Jesus. Look in the mirror of the law and see where you are wrong. Stop looking at others. Look at Jesus. Because when you compare yourself to Jesus, you find out how imperfect you are to Jesus. When you compare yourself to others, you may end up thinking, you know what? Um, uh, oh yeah, uh, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm better than so-and-so. And, that, and that's, that's a lot of nonsense. Um, uh, Andrew, I don't know if you were going to say something. No, yeah, yeah. I wanted to agree with what, what you were saying exactly. I think it, it starts with us. You know, when, when we look at, at, at the things that are going on, we have to first realize that we all have biases. We all have racist tendencies. We all have that. We can't say, if you sit here and tell me that I am not a racist or, or maybe some may have racism to a higher degree or whatever, but for you to sit here and say that you have no racist tendencies in you at all i think that's where the problem starts that you're in denial we have to all to some extent see that we all we all grew up in different cultures we all grew up in diff, uh, different places uh, we were raised differently we have uh, um, a, a big uh, what do you call it there's those memes that say okay boomer right because yeah. even, through, even through generations you see yeah. this clash yeah. it's not only when it's, it's when we grew up how we grew up all these factors playing and we all have uh, uh, these different uh, racist tendencies or prejudices towards other people. And unless we realize this first, we can't really move forward. The Bible itself says, examine yourself to right. see if you are in the faith. And then it says, don't you know that you yourselves have Christ Jesus himself? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Christ Jesus is in us, right? We have or, or, or should we be, have or to examine be. ourselves. Yeah. yeah, or should be in us. Should or should be. be in us. Right. And the, yeah, and the I, idea is that it starts with us and we have to work on ourselves and say, hey, you know, and, and I don't think it's wrong for us to, to admit and say, you know what? Oh, man, I do sometimes stereotype certain people. Why oh, I do this? It's realizing those things. And then all of a sudden saying, hey, 
I'm going to make it my effort to change. Yeah. 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 yeah there, for sure. There, there's a phrase that mom always said, tells me. Um, and uh, it's um, la cultura se rompe en género. Culture is, 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 is broken in, gen, in generations. And I think it's time that it's not just in generations. It's, I feel like if we apply that term to now, this culture is broken with all these generations because it's not just the old people that have to do it. It's not just people um, in my age range. It's not people in your age range, Mitch. It's not the teenagers. It's not the kids. It's everybody has to break this culture of racism. Right. It's not until we clearly understand that that's not what the Bible teaches, that Jesus was not at for all that. That as a Christian, I shouldn't be at all for that. It's not until we get those points across that it's really going to cause a systemic change, not just a local change. Because I'm, I'm sure there's places where this is not a, this is not an issue. Yeah. But it's not going to be a systemic change until we all change that in our different generations and in our different cultures. The, the, the problem, Jason, is that this is my opinion. I could be wrong on this, right? But I just think that we are looking for systemic changes when we're not looking for the individual changes, mm -hmm. right? And I think that if we take the philosophy of scripture and what it teaches us, the idea is that first change yourself. And if everyone holds themselves accountable before the Lord, then we can change as a society. We can change the system. Um, guys, look, we got to wrap it up. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Andrew, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't want to. No, wanna I just want to kind of add to what you guys were saying. Another, sorry, another quote from Martin Luther King is a short, shorter one. I promise. A shorter and, one. Okay, got it. Got it. With him. <laughs> now let me let now let me suggest first that if we are to have peace on earth, our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. Mitch, you wanna you wanna uh, give us a definition for no, ecumenical? no, I don't. I Come don't. On, brother. No, look, but you finish the quote because I'll say something after that. But right. um, in in short, in short, right. Ecumenical is any type of movement that goes cross religion, okay. generally speaking. Says, now let me cross cross cultures, etc. Yeah. Right. Now let me suggest first that we are to have peace on earth. Our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. Our loyalties must transcend our race, our tribe, our class, and our nation. And it means we must develop a world perspective. No individual can live alone. No nation can live alone. And as long as we try, there are more. The more we are going to have war in this world. Now the judgment of God is upon us and we must either learn to live together as brothers or we are all going to perish together as fools. So the idea is that everybody, if we this ecumenical thought, ecumenical thought is that we develop this world perspective where every individual has Jesus in their hearts and everyone has uh, the ideas that Jesus has. And then with that world perspective, would we actually be able to move that to that point? Like Jason said, would we get there? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. Um, by the way, uh, they're, uh, they're congratulating you because it looks like you memorized all of MLK works. Um, and, uh, and so they're giving you props for that. Um, and, and, I'm a and, meme now? Yeah, but perhaps. But look, um, I, I just wanted to say this whole ecumenical thing. This is why I didn't want to define it. Because unfortunately, um, ecumenical in the Seventh-day Adventist church is a uh, taboo word, right? Yeah. We do not get involved with anything that is ecumenical. And the reason why is because, uh, you know, we understand ecumenical movements essentially. I think Elias said it. Right. I think Elias said it in the, in the comments. What, what do you say? Let me see. Uh, I've heard, uh, yeah. 
Ecumenicism is anti-biblical, right? Due to its nature of sacrificing truths for unity. Uh, I do not. And that's why I said that last portion that I did. Yeah. You notice that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I believe that, um, by the way, I'm sorry. I just saw this comment. Jay and Andrew's memorized the New Testament. (laughs) Andrew is memorizing scripture and MLK. Uh, Yeah, perhaps. But look, um, let me say this. Um, We do not sacrifice truth no matter what. Okay. We don't. You don't. But where we can join together, we should. I I get it. People are not going to like that, right? And it's so weird because when we talk about religious freedom, generally, you know, generally speaking, again, speaking very generally, and I'm not saying this to everyone, but a lot of times when we say religious freedom, we mean religious freedom for my religion, Mm -hmm. not for everyone else, right? And that's not religious freedom. God lets everyone choose their own destination. We do not sacrifice truth, right? Because the truth is what sets us, sets us free. But we can join together in the values that we share. And what do I mean by that? Justice, mercy, okay? The things that Jesus, if, if you know what? It's a perfect opportunity for someone that doesn't believe what I do for me to sit here and say, hey, why are you here? Oh, I'm here because, you know, my Lord and Savior believes in mercy and justice. Oh, okay. What do you believe, right? It's a perfect opportunity to be able to witness um, but that is the whole ecumenical movement is a co- is a conversation for another another day, time another day. Um, look, we got to wrap it up. Um, I, you know, I, I I you know perhaps, and we'll see how the events of this week go. We we may have to continue this conversation for all I know, uh, because we we just don't know what's going to happen. Um, if and and this is well, you know, I'm gonna take the opportunity here, Andrew, Jason, if you guys don't mind, but because this is. Also, uh, the Inland Spanish uh, YouTube channel, um, you know, uh, in, in, in about an hour or so, uh, less than that, in about 30 minutes or so, uh, I'm going to continue speaking about this. So uh, if you guys want to hear a little bit more about this and, and just kind of uh, uh, the title of the message is five things I need to say about these days. Right. Uh, and so uh, you, you guys are all more than welcome to join. Um, it's live, right? Channel. What was that? This is live, right? Yeah, it's going to be live, actually. Yeah, it's going to be live. Um, it's not a pre-recording. Of, yeah, I mean, so if everything goes wrong, it goes wrong. It is what it is. Um, but uh, I, I think that it's a conversation that needs to continue. Um, it needs to continue within our homes, within our spouses, our marriages, our brothers and sisters, and, and our, our churches and everyone, right? And uh, we cannot let this issue go. We need to fight for what's good until Jesus comes. That's my opinion. Any last words, uh, Jason, Andrew, any last words? Oh, no, well, just... <laughs> there's too many, honestly, but like, are we safe? What would Jesus do, especially in this situation? Or as Brother Stonio said, and try to, to tell me, to get it across to me, what did Jesus, what, what Jesus what did, did? Yeah, what did <laughs> Jesus do? What Jesus did. Yeah. That's all I got to do. Just follow what Jesus did. Yeah. Be his example. That's what drives me crazy about being a Christian. It drives me crazy and it makes me happy. I have an entire, I have an entire book telling me on how to live correctly and deal with all these social issues. Sure. But am I willing to do what Jesus did? That's really the question. Am I willing to do that? Good question. Uh, Are are we willing? By the way, uh, we were thinking about uh, calling our conversations. uh, What would Jesus do? That was Jason's proposal. Uh, but obviously that term is taken. So we stuck with keep calm and admin on. So <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jason. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Andrew, any last words? Yeah. Uh, Leah says, uh, I'm ready to get rebuked. 
<laughs> no, no rebuking here. No, um, I just want to finish with that, that closing thought. You know, um, if, if if we all got to a place where we all had Jesus in our hearts, this this wouldn't this obviously wouldn't be something. Um, we would have lasting peace, and uh, and and I and I not only hope, but I I know this is what heaven will be like. It will be a lasting peace where everyone will have Jesus in their hearts, and 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 everyone will have the same. Of values and, and, and you know I just can't wait for that day because you know we see some of the things that are going on and you know it, it's getting closer to the end just like Jason said and the closing thought is that you know put Jesus first man and and mm. all these things right I didn't see. <laughs> no I, I, absolutely I think that's great advice and look as for me I think that um uh you know we gotta we gotta call things out when it's wrong we gotta support what is right um and uh but but always in the name of jesus always in the name of jesus and i and i think you cannot go wrong if you allow jesus in your life cannot anyways we gotta we gotta wrap this up um and uh uh you know we we appreciate the conversation guys i i, I personally appreciated it i think hopefully everybody that was on I, we couldn't get to all the comments i know there are many other things and we do take these comments into consideration for our next topic so uh, you know, always keep us alive with these chats and we really do enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, but, us on Instagram, send us an email. We have all our information out there, guys. Um, just message us. We, we read everything. We're not just, we're not going to not read it. So just read it. We want to know what you guys really sure. want to know about what you guys, what bothers you guys. Just message us. Sure. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And so, uh, but we got to wrap it up. Um, and we're going to have a, a final word of prayer and uh, Andrew want to lead us in, in this, uh, in this prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we just come before you um, asking that you would continue to be with not just us, but all those that are listening, Lord. Uh, we just ask that hopefully that uh, this discussion that we had, that it, that it was something of value, that, uh, that it, even if we just got across to one person, maybe they're not watching us live, but maybe they'll, they'll, they'll watch uh, in the future. If, if it's just one person, Lord, that, 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 that is able to uh, get something valuable out of this and, and ultimately see that there is a, a problem in our world that, that, that we ourselves can't solve as much as much as we try to come up with solutions. The only one that can solve it is you and you, you left that in your scriptures for us to see, Lord. We just ask that someone might be touched by this, Lord, and that you would continue to reach people uh, through this ministry. We ask all this in your precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, you know what, again, uh, we want to thank everybody that's joined us today and um, all of you who are part of the conversation. Uh, we hope to see you next week if God allows us to do so, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe for today, uh, just to make sure that um, our solidarity is there uh, with all those who are truly protesting in the way of, of righteousness, right, and of justice and everything. We just want to say, uh, you know our message. Our message here is keep calm and Advent on. But perhaps today the message should be keep calm and protest on, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we join our, our pain. Uh, with all those who are suffering for, for uh, all the discrimination and all the oppression that has been felt. And, uh, you know, with Jesus, we say that righteousness, mercy, justice, these are the values that we hope all of us can live. Uh, and so for now, you know, again, uh, when things go crazy, you know, keep calm and Advent on. But for now, just keep an eye on that and let's make sure we fight for righteousness. Uh, we hope to see you guys next week. 
God bless. And uh, again, uh, keep in touch with us. And yeah, keep washing those hands, those masks. COVID-19 is not over. Uh, but you know, the Lord is going to take care of us. May the Lord bless each one of you guys.